You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Good morning, Christ Walk Church. How is everybody doing today? That was awesome, by the way. Man, so, so glad that you guys are here today. I'm excited about today's message and getting to share it with you. And then we're going to eat some yummy chili um, after service today. Did my voice just crack? <laughs> 41 years old, still going through puberty. My goodness. Help us, Jesus. Uh, if you got your Bible, um, you got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. In case you're unfamiliar, the Bible is um, comprised of two larger uh, sections of Scripture. The first one is the Old Testament towards the front of the book. The second one is the New Testament. We're going to be in the New Testament today, um, taking a look at one of the general epistles. Um, epistles, just a fancy um, academic term for letter. And um, this is the letter, uh, the first letter of Peter. Um, he's got two letters in there. We're going to take a look at First Peter. We're going to land in chapter 1. So First Peter chapter 1, you can turn there and we'll get there momentarily. Um, today is our Harvest Fest, which I'm really, really excited about. And I got to thinking about that word harvest and like what it means. And um, all my ladies know that it means it's pumpkin spice latte season. <laughs> Some of the men too, but they just won't admit it. You know, and I'll be honest, like you had me at pumpkin spice latte, like I'll go there with you, but I was in the store the other day and something caught my eye. It was pumpkin spice tortilla chips. And I thought, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Like, what are we doing here, friends? Like next thing you know, it's going to be pumpkin spice toilet paper. I just, I can't anymore. Like we've just gone overboard with the, like, make it stop someone just make it stop. It's going to be okay. But harvest is, is so much more than pumpkin spice season. Harvest is traditionally known as the season when crops are gathered. It is a season and a time for celebration. It's the culmination of ones reaping the benefit of their hard work. And it comes on the heels of a months-long process full of preparing and planting and protecting, of watering and weeding and waiting. And each year begins with the same exact thing, hope. It all begins with hope. Harvest season is the culmination of our hope. Months ago, we put a seed in the ground with the hope that it would turn into something, that it would produce fruit for the sustainability of life and then seed to produce even more fruit in the future. The dictionary defines this term hope as desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. Desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. To hope is to desperately want something to happen or to be true. The poet Emily Dickinson wrote about hope when she said, hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. 
and sweetest in the gale is heard, and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Maybe poetry's not your thing. And so Steve Perry said this about hope. He said, don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. I think I'm talking to my people right now. Anybody in the house, you're like, yeah, get rid of that poetry garbage. We don't want any of that. But journey, we're down with journey. We can do that. Here's what Christopher Reeve said about hope. He said, once you choose hope, anything is possible. And I don't care who you are. That quote is super, man. Some of y'all will get that on the drive home. (laughs) There's an ancient Roman saying that goes like this. It says, where there's life, there's hope. In other words, the good news that we have this morning is that if you're not dead, then God's not done. If you're not dead, then God's not done. That's the hope that we have. But for many of us, believing this can be quite difficult It's something fun to say in church. It sounds really good, but when the rubber hits the highway, it becomes really, really difficult for us to grab hold of that. Because let's face it, hope is hard to come by for the one that just received the negative prognosis in regard to their health. Hope is difficult to find for the one that is swallowed by addiction this morning. Hope doesn't come easy to the spouse that is experiencing marital discord. Hope is lost in the life of a parent whose child is living in rebellion. Hope can be non-existent for the person that is suffocated by debt. We could talk about all of those things that come in that try to snatch away our hope. For those of us that find ourselves in situations of that ilk, it could be hard to truly believe that things are all going to work out. But it's not so much from a lack of want as it really is from a lack of faith. Because see, here's what I believe about myself, about the people of this church, and about humanity in general, is that I, I think deep down we want to be people that hope fully. But instead, we often find ourselves in a place of hopefully. And those are two very different things. Hopefully is much different than hopefully. Because see, hopefully is contingent upon our situation. We look at it and say, well, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe the tide will turn. Maybe this is going to be the time. But hopefully is contingent upon our Savior. It's confidence that it's going to happen, not because of what we can see in front of us, but because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And so that's where we pick up today in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 3, and we're going to end up reading eventually all the way through verse 9 together and kind of break this down this morning. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again 
because God raised Jesus from the dead. And now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. You need to know this morning that the perspective that I'm preaching from today and, and how we approach this is that the hope that you and I have begins with the work that Christ completed on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. This would have been the same perspective that Peter is writing to his audience who would have been uh, people of the Jewish faith that had put their faith in Jesus Christ and accepted him as Messiah. And if you are here this morning and you haven't made that decision yet, perhaps you're watching with us online and, and you're really not sure where you stand in relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know that's okay. We're so glad that you're here. But you also need to know that, that this place, and as far as I'm concerned and the leadership of this house is concerned, we believe that a life surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is hands down the best way to live. And so that's the perspective that I'm communicating from this morning. Peter talks about us being born again, that because of God's great mercy that we've been born again. That's, that's um, uh, uh, referring to first we experience a physical birth when we enter into the world, a physical birth into an earthly family. We have all experienced that. We are, we are the result of a physical birth. Our existence here today is the result of the fact that we've been born physically. But then there is a secondary and, and perhaps even greater birth that can take place in our life. And that is a spiritual birth where we are not born into an earthly family, but we are born into God's family. It's a heavenly family. It's, it's a family that, that transcends and supersedes the, the family that we see around us. It is so much bigger than what is, what is around us. And, and in the present, what Peter says is, he says, now... We live with great expectation. Or in the English standard version, it says that now we have this living hope. And we have a living hope because we serve a living God, right? All the movies tell us God's not dead, one through 74. They've told us time and time again, he, we get it. He's not dead. He is alive, and we serve a living God, and that is why we have a living hope here in the present. But Peter also, he doesn't just talk about what we're experiencing here in the present. He points us to the future. He says that, that we have a priceless inheritance that he begins talking about. And he says that, that this inheritance is pure, which means that it, it's without blemish. He says, this inheritance that we have is undefiled, which means that it is both impenetrable and incorruptible. He says, this inheritance that is laid up for you, it is beyond the reach of change and decay. That means that it is eternal. It is never going to fade away. And this inheritance that he is talking about is our salvation. And for those of us that have, have placed our hope in Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior, we are experiencing what is known as already but not yet. 
See, when, when we come to believe on Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are already saved. We are seated in heaven as we speak as a kingdom, uh, as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Yet, we still reside in this fallen, broken, and incomplete world. And so one day, either through death or through the return of Jesus, our salvation is going to be made complete when we step out of this temporary earthly realm and we step into an eternal heavenly spiritual realm. Around here at Christ Walk Church, we like to say it like this, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. That's how we talk about that. Warren Wearsby says it this way. He says, this confident hope gives us the encouragement and enablement we need for daily living. It does not put us in a rocking chair where we complacently await the return of Jesus Christ. Instead, it puts us in the marketplace on the battlefield where we keep on going when the burdens are heavy and the battles are hard. So then if once we know this fact, and, and as, as we take hold of what Peter is, is pointing us in the direction of, of how we can live now, but also what we have to look forward to in the future, then, then how does that impact? How does that make a difference? How does it change the way that you and I are to live? Well, he continues, and, and he helps to answer that question. We'll pick up in verse 6. He says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. He says, be truly glad, even or perhaps especially in the face of trials. And, and this call, this, this command to us, this is, this is what, what I would label as a righteous rebellion. Because it goes against logic or reason of any kind. He's saying, be truly glad because there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials. That, that doesn't seem logical to us why we would be glad when we're walking through the difficulties of this life. And let me just tell you right now, just because you are a Christian, just because you are a Christ follower, it doesn't make life any easier. Whoever told you that, whoever told you that once you accept Jesus, that it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows and la-di-da, and, and uh, it, they were lying to you. In some cases, I believe that it's harder. And I don't say that as a, oh, woe is me but it's because of the world that we live in that is ever encroaching upon the territory of the kingdom of God that is making it difficult for those of us who believe. That's why we've seen such a great falling away here in recent years of people who have just, at one point, they were part of a church and they were, they were sold out and bought in and there every time the door was open and they were serving and giving and a part of life groups and, and all kinds of stuff and all of a sudden they just kind of drifted away. 
How does that happen? It's because they didn't handle the trials that they endured correctly. They, they weren't glad in the midst of them. And, and these specific trials that Peter is talking about here today, it, it, he's talking about those that, that, that are discriminated against for living a Christian life. That's what was happening here in Peter's audience. And, and the, the discrimination that these people were experiencing was a result of the unwillingness of the Christian believers to take part in societal life that was associated with the idolatry of the time. And they were attacked with negative and hateful words. They were attacked with societal exclusion. And they were um, made to succumb to all different types and forms of discrimination at the hands of others. Does that sound familiar to anybody here this morning? Anyone? If, if it sounds familiar, it's because it's, it's still happening today. One of, one of the primary ways that I see this sort of thing happening is, is what I call the intolerance of the tolerant, which is ironic, I know. But it's things like some of what we've experienced lately in terms of the LGBTQ movement or all of this stuff that is swirling around about gender identity and, and how we're up to like 89 different genders now. The, the whole issue around female reproductive rights and abortion, critical race theory, just general wokeness, all of those things that we are experiencing right now. And what happens is, is that, that if you don't align with those values or if you stand against the, that particular ethic or, or perhaps you speak to the contrary of someone who is trying to perpetuate those kinds of ideals around you or you refuse like, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego to, to bend a knee and bow to their idols, what happens is, is that those who preach great tolerance of everything and everything everyone all of a sudden no longer tolerate you. Instead, what they try to do is they try to cancel you. And so what we're experiencing right now, and if, if you haven't experienced it yet, just continue to be a Christian long enough. I guarantee you it's coming. But you end up being ostracized at work or you get made fun of at school because your dad's the pastor of a Bible-believing church. Or you're made an outcast by your own family. All because you refuse to participate in the idolatry of the day. That's what's at stake here. We're, we're in the midst of this every single day. And if, if we're going to live as people of great faith who, who our, our lives uh, shine the love, light, and life of Jesus Christ into the dark places of our community, then we're going to have to be people who, who refuse to compromise, who, who will not bow our knee to those idols. We need some people to stand up and say, this is not okay. Because this is, it may be a truth for you, but it is not the truth. And as far as me and my house, we are going to live and we are going to stand for the truth. But then know that when you do that, those who have preached tolerance are very quickly going to become intolerant. And you're going to be labeled as a bigot and and I said, well, that's not what Jesus, was. wasn't Jesus all about love? No, Jesus was about grace and truth 100% all the time. 
That's the difficulty that we find because we, 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 can't, we can't find that. But we either swing too far one way or the other. But Jesus was all about both 100% equally all the time. Here's what he said in John 16, Jesus says this. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me because here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Not you may have, not it might happen, not, no. He said, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, we can be glad this morning because Jesus has already overcome the world. Everything that you and I are facing, any, any of those, the, the, those of us that are being made fun of or we're being outcast or ostracized or whatever, these trials that we're, Jesus has already overcome all of that. So that's why we can be glad in the midst of all this stuff. Yes, it's going to happen, but Christ has already overcome. It's because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. That's the message. James 1 verses two through four. He says this, he says, dear brothers and sisters, when, not if, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, we can be glad this morning in the midst of trials because we know that those trials are not to discipline us. They are to develop us so that we can become perfect and complete. Think of like, like a, a, a photograph being developed. It doesn't happen out in the bright sunshine. You have to get in the dark they put it down in those little, those little pools of water and, and it's, it's uncomfortable and it has to sit there and, and it, it's, it's a weird thing and, and you can't really see anything. And then all of a sudden, the picture comes into beautiful focus. You may be in the dark in the midst of your trial right now, but know that God is using that to develop something in you and, and it's going to come out and you are gonna reflect his beauty and his glory in the long run. See, these, these tests and trials that we face, Peter says they're gonna prove our faith to be genuine and authentic. See, he knows the secret. A faith that isn't tested can't be trusted. If our faith isn't tested, then it can't be trusted. And so it's important, we have to walk through this stuff so that we can build a faith that, that when, when greater trials come, we can remember what we've experienced already and we can lean on the past to propel us into the future that God has for us. Warren Wiersbe says this, he says, when God permits his children to go through the furnace, I love this quote, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. He's got you. He's not, gonna, he's not gonna take you to a place where, where you're gonna have to endure more than he's able to, to handle. He's got his eye on the clock. He knows the right time. At just the right moment, he's gonna pluck you out. He's got his hand on the thermostat. He's gonna turn it up, but he's never gonna let it get so hot that it's gonna burn you, that it's gonna scorch you, that you'll come out smelling like smoke. Instead, he's using it to refine you. It's said that, that the Eastern goldsmith would keep the metal in the furnace until he could see his face reflected in it. That's when he knew it was time to pull it out of the fire. 
In the same way, God's going to allow his people to remain in the furnace of suffering until we begin to reflect the goodness and the grace and everything that he is. When we begin to resemble Jesus Christ, when we begin to take on the image and, and, and transform into uh, the likeness of our heavenly father, that's when he's going to pull us out of the fire because he's going to know that's when we're ready to move to the next level. Job says this about God's testing. Chapter 23, verse 10, he says, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For those of us who will remain strong and steadfast in our faith, we will receive the inheritance of eternal life that is promised to us. This is the hope that we have this morning. It's not based on our situation. It is not hopefully. It's based on our Savior. It is hope fully. And so then how do we, how do we make that shift from hopefully to hope fully? How can we be sure that that happens in our life? How can we know that we are moving on that trajectory? Four things, if you're taking notes, write these down. It begins with 1 Peter verses 8 and 9. We'll wrap up our passage for today. It says, you love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious and expressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. See here, Peter is reminding his audience why they can be truly glad even in the midst of trials. What he's reminding us of today is, is why we can move from hopefully to hope fully. And the first one of those is we can make that shift, number one, because we love Jesus. I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that that we love Jesus. That's what, that's what Peter said. He says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Sometimes we just need to be reminded that, hey, you love Jesus. You're on the right track. It's gonna be okay. See, we, we walk, the, the true believer walks by faith and not by sight. He says, you love him even though you haven't seen him. Because what Peter knows is that the things we see in front of us can be deceiving. Because our, our feelings are fickle, right? Our feelings are often fickle. They, they will lie to us. Our feelings will convince us that the situation, the circumstance, that it's much more difficult, it's much more dangerous, it's much worse than what it actually appears to be or what it, what it actually is in reality. Perhaps there's someone here today, maybe you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel of your situation. It, it may feel like you will never be able to rise above your current circumstances. And if that's you, I want to remind you of the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And he says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. It's just like we sang in that song earlier today. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Somebody needs to know this morning, just because he isn't doesn't mean he can't. Just because he hasn't doesn't mean he won't. 
That's the hope that you and I have this morning. And we can move from hopefully to hopefully first because we love Jesus. Secondly, we can make that shift because not only do we love him, but we trust him. We trust Jesus. Peter says, though you do not see him now, you trust him. This is what faith is all about. He, Hebrews tells, the book of Hebrews tells us that, that faith is the substance of things hoped for and that it is the evidence of things not seen. And so this morning, you and I, even though we can't see Jesus, we can trust him because of his track record. And his track record is based on the promises of his word. And Luke tells us in, in Luke one thirty seven that the word of God will never fail. And so just like that line from the song, if he hasn't failed us yet, why do we think he's going to start right now? If over the, the history of time and all its existence, if God has never failed his people one time, then why do we think that it's going to start with us and that it's going to happen today? Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19 says this. It says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The hope that we have in Jesus, it is an anchor in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the trial, in the midst of whatever it is that we are facing. And we can hold on to that hope and know that we are not going to get tossed around by the waves and get pushed out to sea. That, that though the, the rains come and, and, and the winds blow, that God's got us right where we are. And he's going to protect us. He's going to take care of us. And we can trust him because his track record communicates the same at every single turn. We can make the shift from hopefully to hopefully because we love Jesus, because we trust Jesus. Number three, because we rejoice in Jesus. Peter says, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Now, now, truthfully, we, we may not be able to rejoice over every situation, but we can rejoice in every situation. You see the difference? We may not be able to rejoice over everything that we experience, but we can rejoice in everything that we experience. In other words, trials may not be very pleasant to us, but they do provide opportunities for God's glory to be revealed in our lives for us to strengthen our relationship with him and even point others in the direction of who Jesus is. For the one that's sick today, Jesus is our healer. For the one who is at odds today, Jesus is our reconciler. For the one who is addicted, Jesus is our freedom. For the one that's overcome by anxiety, Jesus is our peace. For the one that's uncertain today, Jesus is our counselor. For the one who is lacking Jesus is our provider. For the one who is afraid, Jesus is our protector. For the one that is lost, Jesus is our compass. No matter the situation or the need at hand, we can rejoice in the hope that is afforded to us because of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he has done on our behalf. Paul says it like this in Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 13. 
He says, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God, and as a result, without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. He writes in 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 1, he says, This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, appointed by the command of God our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. Jesus is the source of our hope this morning. So the choice is ours today. We can, we can choose to focus on our circumstances, or we can choose to focus on our Savior. We can, we can choose to be led by our feelings or we can choose to be led by our faith, but we cannot choose both. But the one whose hope is found in Jesus is the one who is able to say, no matter what life brings my way, to rejoice will be my choice. No matter what life brings my way, to rejoice will be my choice. We make this shift from hopefully to hopefully because we love Jesus because we trust Jesus, because we rejoice in Jesus, and fourth and finally, because we receive from Jesus. Peter says the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. John says it this way in his first letter, 1 John two seventeen. he says, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. This world and all of its trappings are temporary, but the one who, who places their hope in Jesus Christ is not living for the things that they can see in front of them. They're not living for the things that are fading away and that will one day no longer exist. They aren't simply living for that which is within their reach. These instead are the ones who have chosen to live for something more, they're the ones that have come to the, the full realization that this life is not all that there is. And that when life on this earth ends, that's when living truly begins. Today, you can take hold of this same hope by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you'd like to do that this morning, in the room, watching with us online. Maybe you just need to recommit and reaffirm your relationship with Christ here today. If that's you, I wanna invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. We pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship Today, I choose to follow Jesus, his way, the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.